Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas. Shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready, because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss how drains can draw customer attention a whopper of a delivery tale, and a one-star ending to a four-star offering. Bananas, burgers, and buh-byes. Oh, my. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. As you know, Dan, I don't spend a ton of time on social media. A ton? I mean, I might say you spend very little time on social media. Fair enough, fair enough. But every once in a while, when I'm on social media, I see something that jumps out at me. And that's almost always the case when I see something from our mutual friend and friend of the experience this show, Jesse Cole. Ah, Jesse Cole of Savannah Bananas fame. The one and only loyal listeners of the experience this show may recall that we once did an entire episode all about Jesse and the Savannah Bananas. Yes, you must check out season two, episode 71, especially as we're approaching baseball season again. Play ball. It was great. I love it, Dan. Always the loyal supporter of baseball aficionados and fans everywhere. And also the master of coming up with the episodes and what season they were in on our show. But I digress. You may remember that there was a segment featuring Jesse's book, which was Find Your Yellow Tux, a segment about my experience throwing out the first banana at one of the games. Because when you have a team called the Savannah Bananas, you don't throw out a first pitch. You throw out a first banana. Exactly. And then the final segment of that previous episode was all about how they instill this customer-centric, or as they call it at the Bananas, fans first philosophy in every person that works with their organization. Now, to be honest, when it comes to creating remarkable experiences, Jesse and his wife, Emily, and his entire team, both the the on-the-field team and the the off-the-field or behind-the-scenes team at the Savannah Bananas are world-class, which is why his recent post on LinkedIn stopped my scrolling and made me take notice. Now, here's what it said, and I quote from Jesse's post on LinkedIn. Before opening night of the Banana Ball World Tour, I was doing a walkthrough of the stadium and looked down and saw these amazing drain covers. I found out that Kurt Kessler on our ticket team had these specialty banana drain covers made for every drain in the stadium. I was blown away. Kurt noticed that the old drains looked bad and were all rusty and did not make a great impression on our fans. So he reached out to some companies to see if they could make something nicer and banana themed. He found a partner and got them done just in time. What blew me away was how fans first this decision was for Kurt and our team. 
This is something that we've all walked past for years and never thought once about it. But Kurt saw something else. He knows that every decision we make is based on our fans' first way. And he knew rusty old drain covers were not fans' first. Everything speaks. Even our drain covers say something about our business and our experience. More than anything, they show how much we care about details when it comes to our fan experience. I've learned that there are problem finders and problem solvers. A lot of people can find a problem and share it, but not do anything about it or hope someone else does something about it. But then there are special people like Kurt who see something and take the initiative to get it solved. He did it all in the name of the fans. I'm sure very few people noticed these on our opening weekend, but maybe someone did. Even if they didn't, we as a team know what went into these drain covers and know why they matter. How you do anything is how you do everything. Everything you do says something about your organization. Do you like what it says? Are you proud of it? Thank you, Kurt, for making all of us proud with the bananas of the little details that really do matter. You know, I would bet anything that there were fans that noticed the drain covers. And the ones that did got a little smile or got a little added experience. You know, I just wrote a blog post recently, and it's funny because I didn't know you were going to share this story about uh, something that my mom always tells me when I travel. She says, be aware of your surroundings. Now, that's a mom advice, right? <laughs> that a, is a great mom line. Yeah. Being, uh, you know, careful and, and, and safe and all that. But I started thinking about being aware of your surroundings as a mantra for customer experience and how the best people at customer experience are always aware of their surroundings. And Kurt was aware of his surroundings. He saw something that, as Jesse said, no one else saw because he was paying attention. And I think one of the easiest ways to get better at customer experience, if you don't think that you know how to do any of this stuff, just pay more attention. Just be aware of your surroundings. I always talk to uh, doctors and dentists and I tell them, you know, at least once a week, walk in the front door of your practice. Don't always walk in the back door because that's where your office is. Walk the front door so you see what your patients see. And you're going to notice that nobody's cleaned the door in a week. And you're going to notice that the magazines are out of date. And you're going to notice that the countertop is is cluttered. You're not going to see any of those things if you're always walking in the back door. And so I love this story and I, I applaud Kurt too. I think every company needs a Kurt. I totally agree. And you know what else, Dan? I'll take it one step further. I totally agree that the folks that are there regularly need to you know, walk through the front door and try different paths and keep it fresh and keep it interesting and pay attention. This is also why I love, love, love new employees. See, new employees see things that old employees don't see. I'm working on a consulting project right now and they were kind of going through naming all the people that were going to be on the team. And I specifically requested that we had somebody participate who had been on the job less than three months. And I watched the senior executive team when I suggested this kind of go, well, they don't really know a lot about us. I was like, exactly. That's the, point. That's the point. I can't. I'm the only other one that doesn't know all of your tricks, all of your ways you do things, why you do things a certain way. So I'll be bringing the new guy or new perspective approach. But I want someone else to bring that new, fresh set of eyes attitude. And it sounds like that's exactly what Kurt did. The other thing that I love about this story is Jesse has empowered his team to just act when they see something that needs fixing. 
You notice he didn't say, oh, and then he submitted a proposal to get the necessary budget. And then we went through three vendor quotes and then we decided who it was going to be. And we sent through 17 designs uh, before the committee for them to decide what they wanted the drain cover to look like. No, when you empower your team, when you hire the right people who are the kind of people who are paying attention, who have that awareness, who have that fans first attitude mentality, you can trust them to go source the drain covers, get them installed, and create something that surprises even the CEO. I love it. And of course, the the end of that has to be that you have a CEO like Jesse that applauds that, right? Because you know, if, if Kurt gets in trouble for doing <laughs> totally. this, it's not exactly going to encourage others to do it. Well, and this happens once and it never happens again. And Kurt leaves and everybody feels, you know, kind of like, oh, great. So I was creative and tried to help and I was punished. Correct. Right. And I think that's what makes Jesse so amazing as a leader is that he really does. He means it when he says you are empowered to go do what you need to do to be fans first. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, heck, it's a place I'd like to work. I mean, it, it sounds like a, a really fun place to work. It is an amazing place to visit for sure. And based on the conversations I've had with the employees, an amazing place to work as well. So what can we learn from the new banana themed drain covers at the Savannah Bananas Stadium? Every touch point offers you the chance to do something special. The required elements of your business, even the drain covers, don't need to be boring. When you go the extra mile to make the required remarkable, it gets people talking. So what can you do in your business today to make something bland into something special? What touch point can you spice up? What deliverable can you make memorable? What interaction can you make interesting? When you do it, Send us a message and let us know so we can potentially feature your efforts to make the required remarkable. Now, if you want to see this type of fan-first behavior at an incredible scale, plan a trip to Savannah, Georgia to visit the stadium and see what happens when you care enough about the experience to make the drains something to talk about. Okay, time to start our weekly marketing program status call. I guess I'm the first one here. I'll just wait a minute for Dave and Rhonda to join the call. Dave has joined the meeting. Hello, I'm Billy. Uh, hi, Billy. Who are you? I'm Billy. I already said that. And so did you. Uh, okay, but your screen says Dave. Dave is my daddy. He had to go to the bathroom, so I thought I would talk until he gets back. Okay, right. This is a new one for me. So, Billy. Rhonda has joined the meeting. Hello. Oh, hi there. And who are you? I'm Witchy. Is Rhonda your mommy? I'm Witchy. Yeah, I heard you, buddy. Is Rhonda your mommy? Rhonda's not my mommy. Yeah, thanks, Billy. I know Rhonda's not your mommy. My mommy's name is Diane. Uh, yeah, okay, right. I'm Richie. Okay, Richie, can you go find Rhonda? We need to start our meeting now as we only have 15 minutes blocked for this call. Who's Rhonda? I think Rhonda's your mommy, Richie. My mommy's is named Mommy. Oh my gosh, what are you doing on my computer? Talking to Billy. Who's Billy? Rhonda? Richie? Billy? Is Dave done in the bathroom yet? As hybrid work environments become more common, holding high-quality virtual meetings is becoming even more challenging. 
Before the pandemic, around 5% of employees spent at least part of their time working from home. Going forward, the percentage of employees who will work remotely at least some of the time will reach 40 to 50%. Employees managing their responsibilities at home often need more flexibility and understanding when it comes to work-life balance and childcare duties. The team at MyTel are experts in creating the right culture and experience for employees regardless of location. Their tools, technologies, and thought leadership on remote and hybrid working solutions make it easy for your teams to stay productive wherever they are, even when working from home. Take a few minutes to visit mitel.com slash experience this. That's M-I-T-E-L dot com slash experience this and download Making Meetings Better in the Hybrid Workplace, a new ebook that will help you rethink how collaboration should work in the hybrid workplace. Visit mytel.com slash experience this and make your meetings better starting today. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? Are you a door dasher, Dan? Dan's a door dasher. Dan's a door dasher every day. Yes, I use DoorDash. I also use uh, Grubhub and Uber Eats. I, I'm not exactly brand loyal to any of them. It's kind of like whichever one has my favorite restaurant. Fair enough. And, you know, to be honest, I've experimented with a couple of these too. I've more had the pleasure of benefiting from DoorDash delivery uh, than placing the order myself. I don't I haven't actually ever used DoorDash myself, but my amazing wife does use it several times a month for grocery deliveries and restaurant deliveries. And to be honest, she's enough of a regular customer that as I understand it, she has something called Dash Pass, which I think you pay a little more for and you get like a reduced pricing or you get it's some special sign up that you can do. And she's accepted the notifications on her phone so that she can get pending delivery alerts when the driver is en route to our house. And the reason I share this is because the other night she got a push notification that she shared with me and it read as follows. Exclusive Whopper Melt. Dash Pass exclusive. Burger King new Whopper Melts are here and only available to Dash Pass subscribers. Order while supplies last. Mm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about an exclusive Whopper Melt. I think some of our listeners probably are salivating right now as well, but I, I digress. What I found fascinating about this wasn't the push notification to place an order. That's kind of, at least to me, an obvious leap if you have a food delivery app and they have the ability to push notifications, they're going to try to intrigue you to order things from time to time. But what I found interesting was that according to the notification, the only way to get the new Whopper Melts was if you were a Dash Pass subscriber. Now, this idea of brands partnering with each other to allow an exclusive product from a restaurant to be delivered only to the exclusive customers of a delivery service definitely seemed like something worth talking about. Yeah, I like when brands combine on special offers. I think that's kind of a neat thing to do, especially... I mean, in this case, they are very... They're related to each other. But sometimes you even see it with brands that are in totally different industries. And I think that can be fun because we are all brand loyal to different kinds of brands. And and you know, we sometimes when when brands start talking to each other, either literally or, or figuratively, like even in social media, it's kind of interesting to watch almost as a spectator. 
And I think this was a, a pretty cool attempt. I'm, I'm interested to know if you ordered and how it tasted. Well, here's the thing. I haven't ordered yet, but I did go online and see what I could learn more about the Whopper Melt because I was like, well, this is interesting. I haven't heard of the Whopper Melt and what is this exclusive thing and what is this Dash Pass exclusive? Well, as it turns out, it seems like, regrettably, this wasn't an exclusive deal. It seems that you can get a Whopper Melt at the restaurant and at the drive-thru even if you're not a DoorDash Dash Pass member, which was a little bit of a bummer. Well, yeah, I would definitely think that was a bummer. Maybe it was a timing thing. Like, you know, they offered it a day before, you know, sort of like sometimes Ticketmaster or American Express allow you to buy tickets before the public. Was it something like that? Or was it it really just that they were telling you something and that wasn't really the case? Yeah, it might have been. I don't know. And so if anybody who's listening knows the story behind this, please let us know. Because I spent a little bit of time looking online and I'll define a little bit of time is about 20, 30 minutes anyway, trying to all the various ways that I could search this. The problem is every time... Joey, think think about how many Whopper melts you could have eaten in that time. Well, exactly. And not to mention every time you search DoorDash Whopper melt, it tries to get you to order from a specific restaurant near you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm trying to learn about it, not actually place an order. So that was kind of a funny SEO experience on its own. But the interesting thing I think about this whole story is what are you doing to create exclusive opportunities for your existing customers? And is there an opportunity to partner with someone else's exclusive customers to do something special for them? You know, you mentioned American Express, Dan, and, you know, American Express for decades has had this motto, membership has its privileges. And I think as we move further along in society, this idea of being a member, being part of a club or a tribe is becoming even more pervasive And more and more consumers are wanting the special deal, the special unique product. And not just a discount, right? Not just a, hey, you can get some money off, but rather you can order something that other people can't, or you can access a feature that other people can't because of your affinity and loyalty to us. So what can we learn from this experience? Well, I think there are two key takeaways. Number one, Find ways to partner with other folks that your customers interact with to offer special deals and unique offers. This is something every brand should be considering. If your customers use DoorDash to get deliveries from your restaurant, consider adding a DoorDash-only menu item as a way to highlight the behavior of that specific customer in that specific channel that you're trying to replicate. And number two, if you're going to claim only available status on any product, make sure you're being honest. If you're not, this hurts your brand reputation and the reputation of the brand you partnered with who claims the only status. Get creative, get crazy, have some fun, and maybe order a Whopper Melt. Your customers are real people, not numbers in a queue. That's why Help Scout lets you manage conversations, not tickets. Join us now for Conversation Corner. Hey, it is Matt again from Help Scout, the customer service platform with the question of today. Now, what I want to know from you today, Joey, is as a CX leader, who else in the business are going to be your greatest allies? You know, Matt, I've had a number of conversations about this over the years with leaders at organizations, small, medium, and large. And I think at the end of the day, we need to adopt a philosophy as practitioners, as leaders, that everyone in your organization is in customer experience, regardless of their title. 
But lots of times, if you're the head of customer experience or the person who's quote unquote most responsible for customer experience in your organization, you're going to need to double down on your relationships with other team members in order to make sure that that customer experience ethos runs through the entire organization. Now, two that I think you want to focus on are your head of marketing and your head of sales. Now, marketing is obviously where a customer experience is going to begin when we're interacting with our prospects for the first time and giving them a preview of what they can expect to have should they decide to do business with us. We then move to sales, where the specific conversations about what happens if you buy are going to occur. I think making sure that you're in alignment with marketing and sales as a CX professional is a great way to guarantee that the customer experience you're delivering happens from the beginning of the conversation all the way through the sale and beyond. Now, what about you, Matt? Who do you think might be some great allies for the CX leaders within an organization? First, I'd like to just, I'd really like to reinforce that uh, as a customer service person, if the sales and marketing team are making promises that the product or the service you're actually supporting can't deliver, it is just the worst situation to be in. So I just plus one to all of that. But some other teams in the business, really, I'm thinking about the, the operational parts of the business and the human resources parts of the business. It's really important that you have a connection to those people, that they understand the role that their work plays in the ultimately delivering the customer experience to the customers. From the HR perspective, Obviously, it really helps if you're hiring people who also care about customer experience because people can be fantastic at their jobs but have become a little bit detached from the end customer. Some of the decisions that they make might have kind of downstream impacts on customers that they don't realize or maybe that they don't care about. Operationally, you need people inside the business who are delivering on the promises that are being made to bring people in in the first place. So, The final group that I want to mention actually are the customers themselves. Sometimes when you need a little bit more leverage to to get something done, to have some influence inside the company, a way to get some of that leverage is to bring in the voice of the customer quite directly. It's one thing for you as a customer experience person to say, look, I know people are feeling this pain. It's just a different impact to have an actual customer, especially if it's an important customer to your business, to come in and say, this is affecting me personally And I'm thinking about taking my business elsewhere. So being able to find, identify those customers and find a way to share their voice, it can just sell that story in a different way and help you really magnify your impact in the business and and get things done. I love it, Matt. We have allies for our customer experience efforts within the organization as well as outside of the organization. I know you've written a lot about the topic of how support and sales and marketing can all work together and how you can really give support a seat at the table within your organization. To check out Matt's fantastic articles on this and to sign up for his newsletter to figure out the kind of experiences you want to create for your customers, go visit helpscout.com slash experience this. That's helpscout.com slash experience this to learn how to be a better CX leader and ally. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Today's CX Press comes to us from the New York Times and was written by Karen Weiss. The article is titled, 
Amazon plans to shut down more than 50 brick-and-mortar stores and details the company's announcement that they are shuttering two dozen bookstores and more than 30 Amazon four-star stores selling general merchandise. Oh, man, I was so excited when we talked about the four-star stores back in Season 3, Episode 68. And it looks like they didn't make it. Alas, the four-star stores appear to have only received one star in wah, terms of wah, the long thing. Come on, it's too easy. Well, at the time, these when we talked about it back in Season 3, these were new experiments for Amazon. And it is, seems that the experiment has run its course. Now, according to the article, the company plans to, quote, focus more on our Amazon Fresh, Whole Foods Market, Amazon Go, and Amazon Style stores, and our Just Walkout technology, at least according to Betsy Harden, an Amazon spokeswoman. She goes on to note that, quote, we remain committed to building great long-term physical retail experiences and technologies and we're working closely with our affected employees to help them find new roles within Amazon, end quote. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but the very next episode, after you talked about the Amazon four-star store, in episode 69, I talked about my visit to an Amazon Go store. I do recall, and your store is still standing. It is. Store winner, is winner, no winner chicken Win- dinner. You get it. Uh, well, and I did not uh, ever visit a four-star store uh, but I one thing I just want to say is I I love that Amazon tests this stuff out and and okay this one didn't work so I'm not overly concerned about it because they've got so many other things going now you described it as being pretty chaotic uh, for a retail establishment and that when a store opened in Soho in 2018 the New York Times writer said this store treats commerce like a tornado. <laughs> yeah, not the best review for a retail store in Soho. Now, I've got to confess, I first heard about Amazon closing these stores in the Non-Obvious Insights newsletter, which, by the way, I highly recommend you subscribe to over at www.nonobvious.com. Seriously, just jump over there for a regular dose of fascinating stories and insights from our wonderful friend, Rohit Bargava. And Rohit was a guest on our customer experience game show called Experience Points. And we also shared an excerpt from him in uh, in playing that game back in episode 116 of this show. You know, he really is a font of knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, the way he remembers all of these shows in our back catalog. But anyway, Rohit had this strong opinion to share about the Amazon store closings. And I quote, A few years ago, when Amazon announced they would be starting a line of physical retail stores, their assault on bookstores seemed to be complete. This week, the online retailer announced they would be closing over 60 stores and moving out of the book retail space. Some saw this as a sign that bookstores themselves are no longer viable. Actually, the significance of this might be exactly the opposite. Amazon's retail experiments never truly recreated what people love about bookstores. Curation was done by algorithm instead of by humans. Books were confusingly organized by their star rating. The retail experience was designed for transactions rather than browsing. And perhaps most importantly, the brand itself was repellent to real book and bookstore lovers who blame Amazon for slowly killing community bookstores. Now that Amazon is out of retail for books, there may be more space for bookstores to thrive as the retail community hubs 
they've always been. Well, 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 Rohit. I know you're not here to defend yourself, but I don't love the Amazon hating community. And I and part of it is because I don't understand them. I don't think Amazon ruined the local bookstore. I think the local bookstore ruined itself. Now, the smart local bookstores have figured out what it seems like Amazon didn't figure out in this particular store, which is that there is an experience people are looking for in a bookstore that, oh my gosh, you can't get on Amazon because it's not a physical bookstore. And the bookstores that provide that are the ones that are still thriving and are going to continue to thrive. So it's not just that big bad Amazon has taken away from retail. It's that there is a difference between placing a book order on e-commerce and expecting it at your doorstep in a day or two and walking into a store where you can hold the books and smell the books and start reading the books and maybe sit at a coffee shop and just have an experience. Those are two different things. Absolutely. And for what it's worth, uh, because I know Rohit listens to the show, I want to be clear. I don't think Rohit falls into the Amazon hater category. I think he was just presenting what a lot of those folks, that as maybe a contributing factor to the sales and the foot traffic that were happening in the stores. But it's an interesting thing to consider nonetheless. Why I wanted to talk about this story, though, and the thing that I think is most unique and I would love to have folks think about uh, as we wrap up this segment is that Amazon is willing to experiment with new ideas all the time and then close down those ideas when things don't work out. Remember their phone, the Amazon Fire? Or those little dash buttons that allowed you to press a single button that was branded to a regularly ordered product so that you could place another order, whether that was laundry detergent or paper towels. Amazon has experimented with all sorts of ideas and most of their customers have both given them a try and then not cried too hard when the experiment was shut down later. I think this gives us at least some evidence that we can experiment with our customers even more than we do and not worry about making an experiment into a lifelong offering. The way to keep delivering to your customers is to keep trying new ways to deliver to them. And then don't be afraid to discontinue those efforts if it doesn't work out the way you were hoping. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show... Yay, you! We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do... Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.